Coming up this week on Beyond the Vibe, we're joined by Tom Hart of Trucker Diablo. I mean, everything really from that song, it just went. We got, um, we actually got on the download because of that song. Okay. And then things, we, we did tours in UK and Europe, and then we supported the Food Fighters, and then things just went bananas for the next few years after that. I just can't see us sort of signing a record deal or anything like that. We've, we've just been doing it on our own, you know, this past, and it's, 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 it's worked for us. Every band says this next album is our best, it's our best, but you evolve, so it's, of course it's going to be your best, you know, uh, you, well, you think anyway. So, but this one has definitely got more global press than, uh, you know, than, the, last, than the fourth or the third. There's no thought in this song, but people just love it. They just, they're just Neanderthals, they just love Rackets. <laughs> <laughs> To the world of music. My name is Aaron Day. I am Lee Guitarist of UK band These Wicked Rivers, and I am here with head triangle player, music videographer, and uh, photographer, it's Mr. <laughs> Ryan Vith here. It is. Stumbling. Just about got Just that about. <laughs> Imagine that's like the, the verbal interpretation of when you see someone on a running track and they've started, they've just hit that last hurdle mm. and they're just falling over the finish line. It reminded me of uh, a few weeks ago, we were. Is a story for you. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we, me and my uh, me and my parents were driving back from a meal, and uh, we drove past at just the precise moment that this is like five in the afternoon. Uh, the precise moment that. Uh, a man who'd clearly been heavily drinking that afternoon decided to randomly just try and run but the moment that he immediately tried to run he just completely fell I love that so it's uh, <laughs> well, we yeah. just caught we just, just at the exact moment and they didn't pull past. over and help me they did nothing no he just nothing laughed. he just cackled I at just me. thought there's, <laughs> there's Aaron again yeah. <laughs> I'll see him next week leave him dad leave him he's for the best he won't learn otherwise <laughs> We've got on this week's show. We're joined by Tom of Truck Diablo, and you can hear all about him on the band now. So we're here with uh, brother Tom of Truck Diablo. How are you doing, Tom? Oh. Great, boys. All good for a Tuesday afternoon. What about yourselves? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're all right, aren't we? Yes, as good as a Tuesday can be. Fantastic. Where are you at the minute? Are you back home in Ireland? Yeah, just back home. Uh, just finishing up work for the day, so we, you know yourself, rock and roll doesn't pay the bills. So no, that's it. Else, bless you. Well, we're glad we can give you a bit of an escape for a bit, anyway, man. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, one thing that we like to do on the show is uh, we like to go like right back to the origins of a, a musician. Um, so, with that in mind, uh, when was the first time you remember hearing music and thinking like, "This is what I want to do"? Was there a moment for you? Yeah, uh, definitely. Like, I, I shared a brother, or I shared, I do, I do share, I shared two brothers. <laughs> yeah. I shared a room with my brother, and he was like obviously a big rock fan, big big metal fan. So, from I would say about age 11, 12, you know, I was listening to Iron Maiden, yeah. Halloween, Metallica, everything that was coming in, I was absorbing it. So, you know, I think uh, subconsciously it was destiny, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> So I was just listening to all of that from a young age and then around 15 I was all like right I'm, I'm going to make the jump here and start start learning guitar because he had started learning guitar and he was getting really good so I was like right I'm just going to, going to do it as well so that's pretty much where it started where did it come in terms of the vocalist thing because for a lot of guitarists it's normally you're in a band and you can't find a singer and eventually you get peer pressured into <laughs> yes. stepping up to that role was that the natural thing for you? These guys must have been there because that's exactly what happened. Honestly, <laughs> it's it's one of the most common themes we've had on this show. 
40 years playing guitar, myself and brother, we started the band. So we had sort of played in the States and played around the UK and stuff. And he was this, he was a singer. So I, I was always doing backing vocals and, uh, and and doing rhythm guitar. So I wasn't even the lead player either. Okay. Um, so uh, after that, um, when we started Trucker, um, Simon, the other guitar player, he was actually the singer. Because I was all, look, I'm just going to concentrate on writing songs and playing guitar. You can sing, you know, and... Um, so then down the line, I was just naturally writing songs and writing lyrics to it. And my vocal range is probably a bit higher than Simon. So Simon was just going, look, you sing. I can't sing this shit. You sing. <laughs> what are you writing these songs? You don't want me to sing, do you? You're writing these songs, so I don't sing the songs. So that's pretty much how it came about. And um, on, on the first album, we actually, it was just really a collection of demos that we sort of started to remaster. And um, Simon's actually singing some of those songs. So... We, we share the vocals on the first album, but um, the the big song off the first album, Drink, Beer, Destroy, which is, you know, a literary masterpiece. Drinking <laughs> 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 beer and destroying. Um, it sort of really took off. And that's really where we started to hit the upward trajectory. And um, so it was like, right, Tom, you're the singer. That's <laughs> <laughs> nailed it into the ground now, you fucked. Yeah. <laughs> So the band came together in early 2008. I mean, you kind of touched on it then, Tom. With um, with that song, was that the moment for you looking back where you thought, "Fuck, this is this is going to be good. Like this is this is becoming something else than what we've had before." Or was there a different moment that you have looking back where you felt that? Mm. No, it, it probably was, but I, I don't know about you guys. But it's kind of weird. You're almost like blind to how good your songs are in a way until you actually get the response from the crowd or from yeah. the people who love it. You know it's good, but when you sort of get that feedback that people really love it, it makes it more enjoyable live. And you're going like, holy shit, people do really do like this. So yeah, Drink, Beer, Destroy. And it was actually the best sort of produced song because the rest of them were demos. But this one was sort of, right, we're going to put a lot of time into this because we think it's good. Yeah. From there, um, that really, everything really from that song, it just went, we got, um, we actually got on the download because of that song. Okay. And then things, we, we did tours in UK and Europe and then we supported the Foo Fighters and then things just went bananas for the next few years after that. So yeah, it was definitely, I'd say it was definitely that moment, but we were sort of, you know, after that, we, we were always writing. So the next the next album was just literally around the corner. So we knew, right, we're going to sort of do ride this wave while we have it. Amazing. It's weird, isn't it? Because like one song can just can just kickstart everything. And it's when you like you say when you're writing it, you ain't yeah. got a clue until you take it out there and start pushing it. And then the feel it's incredible how it just one moment can change everything. Yeah, mm. no, absolutely, you're right. And we asked lazy at writing lyrics back then. I just repeated the, the first verse for the second verse, just so lazy, you know. And I was like, go on, you know, there's there's no thought in this song, but people just love it. They just they're just Neanderthals, they just love rapping. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I was like, fuck it. <laughs> you were saying before the show that's your favourite song, weren't you, right? You know, I mean, yeah, you, he, you know. He's always been a bit of a Neanderthal. <laughs> anyway, so it fits he's, it. Come to shows with the waves and the waves of black eyes. <laughs> we're like, what? No, I'm only joking. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that song was just bananas. So we always say that's kind of like our ace of spades or, or whatever. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so with the latest album, uh, Tail End of a Hurricane, yeah. um, when you had that collection of songs decided and you walked into the studio, did you have like a, a certain vibe that you wanted to achieve with the record? And like, if so, how did you go about this? 
No, uh, that's pretty much the short answer because because this album was written you know, over the pandemic period, we mm. never were really in the studio together at all. Mm. So I had done all the pre-production at home in my home studio and I'd literally just give the demos to Terry, our drummer, and he went into the studio and did the drums to the demos. You know, I took all the drums off and we just put a click to them and he just did his drums over the top of them. And then one by one, you know, we went in and did uh, our own parts. So I don't, I can't actually remember if we were all there at the same time I yeah. think either two of us three of us one or whatever and then which is kind of strange because you know every band says this next album is our best it's our best but you evolve so it's of course it's going to be your best you know uh, you, well, you think anyway so but this one has definitely got more global press than at, you know than the last than the fourth or the third oh. um and you know, it, the song seemed to really pick up. You know, our first single, Rock Kids of the 80s, was just as, about being a kid in the 80s and all the nostalgia that you remember, you know, about that time. Um, you know, it's those kind of songs that sort of hit home with people and they really sort of latch on to them. Like Drink Beer Destroyed, such a simple statement that, you know, you know, most people enjoy a beer at the weekend and, you know, maybe like a bit of danger as well. So you mix that together and then rock kids of the 80s are going like, you know what, I was a rock kid in the 80s and I, I loved it. So they sort of latch on to so those simple statements, but then, you know, as a songwriter, as you evolve, you know, things become a bit more complex and you have social commentary and you know, things that actually make sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was it like for, the, for yourself, Tom, in that process? Is that how you'd normally do it in that you'd normally demo everything from you first and then it goes to each other? Or with the pandemic, is that the first time you've done it as a band? Mm. Uh, yeah, pretty much. On our third album, there was only three of us because our bass player at the time, he had left uh, before Jim, our current bass player, had joined. So it was only the three of us and... Uh, it just so happened, uh, I worked for myself, so I was working from home and writing the third album as well. And Simon had just come over and sort of gave me bits and pieces. But predominantly, I just write everything. And, you know, if Simon's got riffs, he'll send them to me and then I'll just put his riffs down and, and whatever lyrics he sends me as well. So, But I think on the last album, when we could practice, you know, we really sort of came together and tried to work it out as a band rather than just being you and me saying, right, well, do you want to think this is the best way to do it? You know, but it's not... You know yourself. You know a band almost has to be like a democracy in marriage. It can't be. You know, everyone's voice is as important as the others. Because if you go down the road of being like, oh, no, it has to be this way, then you're screwed. You're pretty much screwed. And plus, we're all mates. We're like we're all best friends. So I'm not going to tell anybody. You know what the can and can't do. It's it's supposed to be fun. You know. So we really came together collectively on a lot of ideas, and I think it worked out for the best because it's so diverse. There's so there's so much going on, and that that was sort of the main theme in all the all the reviews that people love that it was Sooniverse, you know, because you could probably listen to the first few songs and go, oh, this 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 album's going to be like this the whole way through. But then it sort of hits you with a couple of curveballs. And, you know, that, that was exciting for us because we're going, well, great. You know, at least it's interesting enough for people to actually review. And so, yeah, normally that's kind of the way it goes. These days, you know, I'd rather have a more collaborative process than, you know, just me on my own because then, then it's every, everyone has ownership over it and do the collectively, we all feel proud of it. Yeah, that's really cool, man. We're very similar, as you say, yeah. you know, that democracy thing and that idea that I think if if you're if you've got that open minded approach, it means that you're more likely then to get a finished product that's the best it can be. Because like somebody like our bass player, little Sambo, he'll in the last minute will just go come up with an idea. And we'll yeah. go, Where the fuck have you been storing that up your ass for the past yeah. four weeks where I've been struggling with this song? Yeah, exactly. Where were you? Four weeks ago. Yeah, I know. And then that's just that little thing it needs just to kind of complete it and make it feel like it's a finished article. So yeah definitely man no egos and it makes you feel like it's a family then you know yeah. 
There's no egos these days, like there really isn't. No, then there's no should there be. As you said, you're now obviously five albums deep. Um, looking back from the first album to where you are now with the most recent album, do you think the thing you've retained is that that simple message, as you said, that people can cling on and to relate to, kind of, you know? Yeah, like I, I, ultimately, as a songwriter, you know, it's it's our jobs to really make people feel what we're trying to say through the song. So I always feel, you know, because I, I would do a lot of acoustic stuff on my own and I've recorded my own stuff. So if I, if I feel something that's sort of personal to me, I almost want to tie my heartstrings to theirs so they mm-hmm. can feel exactly what I'm feeling, you know, through the song. And once you do that, the, you know, people are hooked because that's that's why people love music so much because yeah. music is almost like your emotions in f- sort of physical form, you know, in a way. So yeah, it's it's always really having that simple simple message, but then also stuff that's important to us might be important to other people. So you just never know what you're writing could be important to anyone. There's, got, there's always going to be some some do something for everyone. I think. Cool. I think one of the biggest things, like obviously we gigged together in Morecambe recently with Massive Wagons, and I think you and Wagons are a really good example of that community around rock music now that maybe is a lot different than like the seventies and the eighties. And like you say, I think rather than it be that pe- that connection that that you boys are able to to link in with the crowd, it makes it feel like the crowd are your are friends, which they are in that community at the minute that's around around live rock music. Yeah, you know, it's it's so true. And I think because we, we are from Ireland, there's always that element of, yes, we're going away to tour and we have to do a job and we have to do it right. You know, we're also on our holidays. So you know, we, we have to enjoy ourselves because people are there to enjoy themselves as well. And we're, we're, we're at all our shows, we're always in the crowd afterwards, you know, having a beer at the bar and chatting to people because that's what people want to see. They don't want you to sort of hide away around the back. They want you to talk to them because, you know, ultimately... <laughs> It's 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 still sort of a small business as well. So you're there to talk to people, and then if, if people like it, you, they might just buy your album just to take that chance, and then they might end up loving it. So you know, you have I think you have to make that personal connection. Plus, we just love love meeting new people and, and talking to people and, and just having a bit of crack. As as you've seen, you know, we, we just talked to these guys like it was you had known us for three years, and then everything just just clicked. So yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Mm. Um, when it comes to a uh, gig in the, the new material, uh, is there any songs that like uh, fans can expect to be in the set list? Any that uh, is like uh, a particular favourite for you that you're looking forward to playing live? Um, well, I think we released four singles. Uh, we, we had a sort of plan this time around that we actually wrote down on paper. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, right, we've got this. We've got so much time on our hands. We're going to release this album, but beforehand, we'll release a single every two weeks. So we did four singles. So it was a good run-up to sort of you know give a good, um, uh, let people sort of look forward to what we're sort of trying to deliver. So it was really like, right, we do these four songs. So they definitely, the four singles definitely have to be there because they're the first ones. Um, but then you sort of pull out, you know, like we have a song called Set the Night on Fire, which was um, which is on the album, and people just seem to really have latched on to it. And you're, so we, we open with it now, and, you know, it just seems to be, you know, right, it really gets in there. You know, but from the other albums, you, when you're five albums deep, it's hard. You're going like, right, if we if we put six songs off this new album on this, what do we leave out from the, the other albums You know, that people love as well? So you're going like, Christ, you know, and it's it's tough. So like you're kind of going right. What are we going to do on like the sixth, seventh album? You know, it's you're going to be playing one, two songs maximum. So yeah, there's always the favourites, but like you always have like drink beer destroy and um. 
another song from the first album called Voodoo that people seem to love as well. Um, so we always have those. But Rock Kids, I think, you know, Rock Kids is always going to be there. When we played the night before Morecambe, that we played, there's some of the fans came dressed as Rock Kids from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> then you're going like, right, people are starting to take this more seriously than we actually thought. Or <laughs> Everyone's going to be coming dressed in sort of skin-tight jeans and, you know, uh, leopard print and spandex. And, oh, well. Whatever you want to just enjoy yourself. <laughs> it's weird though, isn't it, man? Because like when you're um like you say, when you get the new album out and then you start to go through the different album cycles, you know, you do definitely think feel this song's probably gonna be in the set list kind of through the longevity of the band. And when you I know when I was younger, I'd listen to classic bands like Maiden or whatever, and the yeah. songs that you always expect to be in the set list. But I bet when they brought the album out, they didn't know them songs were gonna be taken that way or remain in that set list for a long time. So it's weird when you've that many albums deep. I mean, we're lazy, we've only done one album. <laughs> So it's fucking easy for us, do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's it. Well, it's here. Look, in the next few years, you get an off you, then you that's the time to make the, the hard decisions. I know, the difficult ones. Is there anything that you always, that you and the boys put in there for your own personal taste, or do you mm. always try and cater it for the crowd? Is there anything where you're like, no, I want to play this song because it means something to me? Um, yeah, just songs that we enjoy. I think it's a bit of both. You know, you know, we put songs in there that we know the crowd probably will expect and will enjoy. But you know, normally, do if we if we really love a song that's cooking, we just say, all right, look, has to be in there. We have another song of a second album called The Rebel, which we always end with because we just know it's just such a big monster song mm-hmm. um, that it's just a great finisher. But we actually went through a phase of festivals opening with it, which was good as well. So we're going like we can really put this anywhere, but at the end, this seems to be the right place. Mm. So yeah, there's just just those certain songs that we just know, you know, that we want to play and we we know that the crowd will want to hear. Sometimes you, you see yourself some bands go, Well, what do you want to hear? And then you get all these sort of random ones, you're going, Oh Christ, can't, can't play this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's tough. Yeah, that was cool, man. Now, obviously, I can see a wide array of, of guitars behind you, you know, which I imagine is in your in your studio room. Obviously, when I when you gigged with you and the boys in Morecambe, you were playing a you were playing um, a Les Paul, but it was um, what was it? Was it Tokai or what? What was it? What? Norville. So it's Norville. Uh, so it's Japanese Gibson. So um, well, I don't I don't know if you know, but uh, Gibson, the guy who invented Gibson, his first name was Orville. Orville Gibson. Oh, yeah. So um, uh, their Japanese factory, um, and they didn't want to release as Gibsons. They wanted to be different, so they released them as Orvilles. But they're 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 pretty much Gibsons. They're they're pretty much the same. So awesome. yeah, so I think mine's like a eighty one or something. So you know they're pretty old. They've been going for years. So obviously, were you were you boys kind of coming over and, and touring? I imagine it's because obviously you had the you had the you had the um, is it two by twelves or the one by twelves? A little cab jet on stage. Yeah, the two. Two by twelve. So obviously, when you got boys coming over, like, do you tend to kind of have a limited rig, and you'll just kind of bring one or two guitars that you can trust, or do you experiment? You know. Yeah, we we, we sort of well, Simon, like honestly, Simon's about twenty guitars, so he he just has like his, you know, his number one and number two, which may change just depending on you know, um, of just playing them. But I would I have a PRS and then the Orville, which are kind of mean number one and two and then I have a V there which I built myself um, and just just love messing around but also there's a few a few others I did clock the V while you was yes. talking the yeah. V's bloody lovely because you see Sam, I actually built another one for Simon um, a while back because we always loved the V but we wanted the open head but doing the open head yeah. rather than the pointed one because we just thought it looked cooler so I, I saw some parts online and, and Simon's got a transom, you know, a 70s transom. So I sort of built it and made it look to black and gold like the transom because he just got it. So um, that had an Ibanez neck, but that one, yeah, that's a, that's an open head headstock as well. So yeah, it's just, um, 
he's got he's got a load of these and I just have that one so we just thought you know we'll maybe try it out sometime and then I've just uh, I bought a wee Chibson from from a son he he started playing guitar the past six months but he, he never even looked on it so it just sits there and then I got him a 335 Tokay which is I swear to God it's amazing I was like this is incredible it sounds so good and then he's like planet and I'm like oh god I should get one of these but I got a super deal on it and I got it for like 200 quid um so yeah he's now picking up the model which is good oh, that's cool I love I love a 335 I had a Bonamassa um limited edition Epiphone 335 for ages before we we got with Gretsch yeah I fucking love that guitar man it's yeah. just just so reliable I mean I'm the same as you I'd I'd, I'd take two guitars and I'll, I'll tend to just stick with that as my one and two I don't like mixing it up because I just you know you know what feels natural to you and I think when you're gigging all the time in new places like you boys are you want to just plug everything and just be there for you straight away don't you no, exactly. And we've, you know, we've a good crew now in the UK. We've like, we've like four people that look after us every time we come over. So, you, you know, it's just great to have that peace of mind that, you know, everything's plugged in, everything's ready to go, everything's tuned up and you just go on and just do it, hit the ground running. But um, in terms of the Orange, like we've been with Orange now, must be near 10 years we've had endorsement of those guys, but see those amps that we have, they are the heaviest thing in the world. <laughs> they are so fucking heavy. And we're just like, oh, this has to change. We're, we're fucked to try and lift these off. So we're looking to get those wee lunchbox ones, the, the dual tires, which I've played before, and they're, they're equally as good. So they're solid amps, man. Yeah. yeah the cracker. And, uh, and I was like, why, why don't these guys like do a rack one? They do have a rack one, but there's no there's no effects or anything built in. It's just like a preamp. Mm. So you would have to run, they have a valve, uh, a valve um, foot switch as well. So, that, you know, all your effects, yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. you could do, you know, to really sort of lighten it up if you wanted. But um, Sam, Sam and I were like, no, we definitely have to lean this down when we're coming over uh, just to make it easier for us because we're, we're building our own studio in, in the winter. So we're, we're pretty much taking everything we have gear ways and putting it in the studio just cool. for pre-production, you know. Yeah, that'd be really cool, man. Yeah. Mm. Um, now, obviously, we've talked about the uh, the beginnings of the band and all that, but where, where do you see yourself and the band in 10 years' time? Very good question. Very good question. Uh the thing is for us, right? Like success is surviving. You, you know, you know, the likes of the wagons and those down crews, they're, they're doing so amazing, you know, but for a band like us, you know, this is well documented you know, on the third album. We sort of took a break because things were so, so busy for us. Um, like we were, we did, I think one of, one of the years we did like 48 shows for us is huge because, you know, we're coming over from Ireland every time, you know, yeah. us, cost us a thousand pounds before we even had a note, you know, so there was sort of, you know, a lot of money sacrificed and a lot of time away from families, but three of us, um, you know, we all have members of families who have disabilities. So it's even tougher to try and sort of have a job, <laughs> have a band and then have your family stuff mm. as well. So, you know, it's really for us these days, it's, I think now we've got such a good following and a, a solid name that, you know, I think we, you know, we could easily over the next ten years just come, keep coming to UK and you know play like maybe ten, fifteen shows a year, and we'd be happy enough, you know, because we, you know it's not really about the money for us. It's it, it never was. It's just really about you know we write these songs, we think they're great, so we think people should hear them, and you know the response we've had for this album has been incredible. So definitely in ten years' time, I think we'll probably be doing the same thing. I think we're luckier than. <laughs> than most of the English bands because we have dual citizenship we can you know, have Irish passports it'd be easier for us to go to Europe 
um, which we've done in the past. We played France quite a few times, and then we're being offered a Spanish tour next year that we're we're um, going to do, I think. And then we've been offered stuff in the states before, some big festivals because our, our original um, record label were American, so we've always sort of kept that um, relationship there. So if we wanted to go do that, I think we could. Um, so yeah, ten years time, I think we're doing still doing the same thing. Hopefully, Spotify will. Up their rates and then make more money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh that's cool, man. And for folks who want to check the band out, whether that be you know in the next six months or in the next ten years, uh, what gigs have you got coming up? Uh, we've none. <laughs> <laughs> we've won back home here uh, at the weekend, which is just um, a place we always play. The wagons played it last week called the Diamond Rock Club. So cool. it's kind of- that's kind of the place to play. Um, we, we have nothing planned for the, for the winter because we're going to be building this studio. Yeah, of course. We're putting all our time and effort and money into that. But next year we have been offered some uh, festivals that we can't talk about just yet, but we, we will be planning to come back over and do, we always like to do short stints, you know, mm. and maybe some supports and stuff like that, but definitely back over and festivals and maybe some Europe stuff as well. It'd be good to oh, get back on. in France. And I actually have a promoter in Germany that I've been speaking to recently that, wants to get maybe three or four shows out of us too. So yeah, just, just try and do as much as you can when I'm still kicking. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Could be dead in 10 years. <laughs> That's it. You got to enjoy it while you can, man, don't you? Make the most of it. We've obviously, we're you building the studio in the winter. Is your plan to then use that to, to bring out an album or write an album next year? Or are you going to give it a couple of years to let the dust settle? No, no, we're pretty much going to start writing the album after this, this next show. Awesome. Um, because over, we probably had overwritten you know a lot of songs for the last album because we put like 13 songs on it but we had easily you 20 so there's at least another 10 15 ideas there to sort of work on um so i think we're definitely going to do that and um you know we, we've been approached by record labels but i just don't i don't really see i don't know what you guys think about it but unless it was something you know really worthwhile i just can't see us sort of sign him a record deal or anything like that. We've, we've just been doing it on our own, you know, this past and it's, 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 it's worked for us. Mm. So I just, I just, it's hard to see the, the future of bands. You know, I think everyone's going to have that glass ceiling that we're always going to play, but then it's who's going to break through to really open that the floodgates of sort of taking everyone, you know, back into the limelight of um, sort of you know, the rock music industry, I suppose it's, it's tough. It's hard to see. Yeah, it's different. I think with your boys' kind of journey and stuff, I think because you've built that fan base that you can you can look to that's always going to be there for you. And about and touring's just about constantly growing and reaffirming that. I yeah. think you can obviously release albums with that. You you know that the the fans are going to be there and there's that desire for it, you know. And I think that's a really healthy place to be because it means you're then only relying on yourselves and the people that care about the band. And I think that is a healthier place to be than having to to knock on an office door or or you know bombard people with emails you know i think from from our perspective we're probably in a in a different situation just because we've not had that time that you boys have had to really sow seeds and and really kind of grow that fan base you know so it, we're probably at a bit different angle to it but i take a lot of inspiration from where your boys are at with man you know building a studio and just feeling really comfortable and happy with where you're at and that, i like that idea that you almost don't you're not looking for a, a label unless it's going to make the band or your situation better you know unless the comments say right boys we've got a million pounds for you but that, that's never going to happen you know, it's, it's just never going to happen and I think with the family side you know we, we really try and include all of the girls as well and even mm-hmm. the even the kids, you know, that it's you know, if we if we go out for dinner or something, it's a, it's a trucker family dinner. Everyone yeah. 
right? And everyone do reaps awards of it. So if you make any money, you know, it all gets reinvested. You have to reinvest it like a small business to grow the brand. That's really, you know, what people have to do these days. And I think with the likes of social media, it really caters to people with maybe entrepreneurial minds that want to, you know, really take it super serious and, you know, like grow it. Like the, the likes of the wagons are a pure example of, you know, taking their brand forward, capturing the hearts of people and really run with it and having that sort of solid foundation you know, going forward that they, in the next next ten years, like you asked me, you know that they would probably say, right, you know, I'm confident we could probably you know, make a living off this for the next ten years, easy. Mm. Mm. Um, now, one thing that uh, we like to finish on is uh, it's a bit of a hypothetical question. Uh, if you could tour with one band from the past and one band from the present, who would they be? Mm. <laughs> um, I don't know if you know a band, Crave Love. Have you heard of them? Cry of Love. Cry of Love. I think feel like my dad's just bought a record by them. He was playing me when I was around, is it, the weekend? Yeah. They're, well, they're, they're actually from the 90s, um, but I think Cry of Love is after a Jimi Hendrix song. But um, ch- check them out. They've got a song. They've got an album called Brother. There was a first album, just incredible. It's just, it's, it's kind of like Southern rock stuff, but it's just amazing for that time to sort of release something like that when sort of grunge and everything. Was yeah. Wrong. They released it on Epic, which I think Pearl Jam were at the time. Mm. It's just an amazing album. It's just brilliant. I, I love it. And it's uh, I don't know if you know the guitar player, Oddly Freed, I think his name is. He played with Black Crows and mm-hmm. he's got his own band as well, but they're just amazing. Check them out. So that would be that would be the band from the from the past. Awesome. From, the, from the present, it would have to be it would just have to be Metallica because we just all love Metallica and you know, it would just just to sort of get on something like that. And you know, it, it would just take you stratospheric, probably, you know. Awesome. Mm. No, I like that, man. So we'd have Chucker, Chucker opening. Yeah. Um, then we'd have Cry Love and then Talica to end the night. <laughs> what venue would you have? You can have any venue in the world. What venue you have in? Um, I love that. Do you know that, um, that rock amphitheater? I think it's in the desert somewhere in the States. Do you ever see that? It's like, it's no, like, no. It sounds killer. So it's, natu- it's just natural rock. Do like a side of a mountain, but it's sort of the way it sort of curves out. It's almost like, it's like a natural amphitheater. Awesome. Um, I'm not sure if it's called Red Rocks, but um, loads of huge bands have played it. Uh, so yeah, I think that would be pretty, pretty cool, pretty special. Awesome, man! That sounds great. Well, uh, we'll get back to you. We'll we'll put this, we'll put we'll send some emails so that we can. Yeah, that's it. We'll get back to you, Tom. Thanks ever so much for your time, brother. It's great to see you. No worries, dudes. Hopefully, see you on the road sometime soon. Absolutely. Take it easy, boys. I really appreciate your time. For those that haven't checked out Trucker Diablo, what are you doing? Exactly. To get part of the Chucker Diabler family, follow them on all the normal social media bullshit awesome. and, uh, and check out the most recent record. And when they do go gigging again next year, make sure you go over and see them. Cheers, brother. Mm-hmm. See you soon. See you later. So that was Tom of Trucker Diablo. I really loved his like enthusiasm and, um, you know, the the will to, to, to go it alone and do your own thing. You know, I really respect that. Um, you know, like building a studio and releasing a record, you know, without any, any, uh, uh, you know, um, a label backing. You know, it's something to be really respected, and you know, to 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 have it do as well as it's done, is is a real achievement. Uh, that is it for this week on Beyond the Vibe. Uh, if you like what we're doing, you can subscribe and uh, follow us on Facebook as well, where we reveal. Uh, what guest we have every Wednesday uh, from 10am we release it in the form of a teaser trailer Uh, and of course uh, we release the actual podcast itself 
on a Saturday from 10am. And if that isn't enough, <laughs> uh, we also have occasionally on a Thursday extra vibes where that could be anything about any topic. Uh, it could be a top 10 about uh, the last, uh, the, the best uh, albums of the last decade. Uh, we could have, um, you know, anything. The possibilities are endless. So we will see you next week. Yeah,